What's good, Modern Workers? Before we start this episode, just want to give you a heads up of what's coming down the pipe for our MOWO Live webinar sessions this September. On Thursday, September 2nd at 10 a.m. Central, join us for the Office on the Web Essentials series, where we cover the basics of Office on the Web. Whether you're new to Office 365 or a veteran, we'll have something here for you. On Thursday, September 16th at 10 a.m. Central, join us for a Cloud File Storage session we cover the basics of OneDrive and SharePoint for your file storage needs. You can find links in the episode description to register for these events, as well as links to our YouTube channel where you can watch past webinars. And now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, everybody, here we go. It's time for another episode of the MoWo Show podcast. As always, my name is Ryan Bialik here with you on your modern workplace journey and my co-pilot in chaos. Second time in a few weeks I've used that title. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Alex Henry. Alex, how are you doing? Well, hello, hello. How are you today, Mr. Ryan? Can't complain. Coming off the heels of a very long weekend and uh, sort of the tail end of summer and getting the kids back to school and the weather's starting to turn cooler out. So it's a good time. This is simultaneously one of my favorite and most hated times of year. Love the weather. Love yes. the weather. Going yeah. camping this weekend, probably the last time this season because the nights are cool. The days are hot, but not like leaving melting on yeah. your chair. Exactly. So it's a nice mix of both. We're, we bundled, we're going to bundle up, so we'll be ready for it. And yeah, it'll be nice. Right and on. Yeah. All right, so today we are talking about something that you found on the interwebs, the collaboration contract. Yeah, I stumbled upon this one a few weeks ago uh, from one of the Microsoft champion communities. This one, uh, just through like a lot of different discussions and the Microsoft philosophy of the modern workspace, um, modern workplace. It's my first time in 2021 getting that one wrong. I think maybe I know the that that tip jar has been very empty, sir. Yeah, we'll put a we'll put a quarter in there for you today. <laughs> so uh, the collaboration contract. A lot of people refer to this one, um, but we found uh, someone that put this one up in a more tangible form, appropriately in a sway art uh, article. Yes, but the big idea points, big points for that. So before I, <laughs> yeah, and it's like. It's it was a choice. I, I no hate on Sway. It's one of those like, oh well, yeah, it's still there. Forgot about that thing, huh? Sway, yeah. So, anyways, collaboration contract. Yes. Before I explain what it is, and it might sound pretty straightforward, uh, let's explain the why. Um, you've you and I have both like worked with clients that are brand new to Office 365. They're brand new all to all these tools. And we've also both been in this position before with all these tools in a new environment. What are we doing with them? Super timely. Cause again, we, over the last um, month or so, we have been with our MoO live webinars and our, our YouTube channel been focusing on the essentials of Office 365. And one of my favorite things to do is to show everybody exactly what you get with your Office 365 or Microsoft 365 subscription, which if you recall the the slide, it's tons of stuff, uh, including Sway, which you know we like to throw shade on, but you've got your core 
you know, office online functionality, your email and your documents, those types of things. But we've got some new entrants like Teams, obviously tons of inertia behind uh, Microsoft Teams. And then there's those stalwart platforms like SharePoint, um, Exchange for email, all of those. But I think what it ends up doing sometimes, and my always my best intention is to show everybody the, the breadth and depth of everything that you can do with Office 365 and with all of these apps that are sort of connected in some sort of way. But then I know sometimes I may confuse people with all of that variety, or I may end up uh, leaving them with more questions unanswered than showing them the right way forward with using some of those different apps. So very, very timely because I think a collaboration contract can help with that. Yeah, and it should. So uh, the analogy I like using, or the simile, is it's like if someone walks up to your office and just rolls one of those giant industrial tool chests to your desk and says, here you go, you got everything you need in here, good luck, figure it out. And then they walk away. What do you do with that tool chest? I don't know, I'd probably look through everything and... You know, pick up a few things, probably not put them back in the place that they go. Maybe I'd trace little outlines around where they should. No, I'm kidding. You'll probably but, mix up a bunch of the tools and have everything like jumble between the different uh, shelves and drawers and um, probably lose. I probably lose a wheel or two within the morning just because, <laughs> you know, what it's what I do. I break stuff. Things um, would be out of sorts, I guess. Bottom line, right? Bottom line. So the collaboration contract. Mm -hmm. The idea here is that it helps teams, whether it's a department, sub-department, or entire organization, lay out how they are going to collaborate with each other. It's like a term, uh, term agreement internally. It's not written in stone, could be if you want it to be, uh, but ultimately it's designed to be a flexible tool that says, okay, hey, our contract as a working team, we're going to put our files here. If you have a project, it's going to be sorted here. If you, if we're going to chat about anything, if we're going to talk or discuss anything, it happens here versus here. So what are some examples? Um, if a client, if you get requests from a client in your department, um, maybe the rule is you don't forward that out to everyone on the team. Like you used to in, in Outlook, you instead send it to a specific team channel you tag these people using a team's tag and that way they get notified and then they can start their end of the process. And that end of the process might be replying to it, maybe adding some information to a database, maybe just doing the job, the work that needs to be done based on the request. Mm -hmm. Either way, there's a set expectation of what happens when the process starts, email comes in and the outcome of that process because the collaboration contract is really focused at the end of the day to support your team's outcomes, your team's purpose for existing, the things you make, the services you provide, etc. Right on. No, and that core purpose I think is is really important. If you can if you can marry that, um, how your team is measured. Maybe it's customer service tickets that are closed. Maybe it's dollars of of one sales leads. Maybe it's happy students or you know healed patients whatever whatever your kpi has to, uh, happens to be what are you measured on for success take that and combine it with hopefully a baseline understanding of all the variety of tools in office 365 and microsoft 365 and then you're right decide where you're going to draw that line in the sand with the various activities that support your team's 
mission and, and outcomes. Um, I think this is, this is great. And, and again, it's, it's a point in time thing. It's not going to be set in stone. Like you said, it's not going to be uh, inflexible or, or closed to suggestions or changes. It's just a point in time standard operating procedure for how to leverage these types of collaboration tools how to leverage them and how to approach just doing the tasks you need to do to do to get your job done to make sure there's consistency mm-hmm. so people know where to find information when they need it on the fly to, to support a request um so this article i found and it's more like a pamphlet article whatever you want to call it it's a sway uh, it's a sway. It's made by two M- two Microsoft 365 MVPs, Susan Hanley and Lawrence Strands. I hope I pronounced your names right. I apologize if you if I didn't. I'll have their um, website. Oh, we'll have their contact information in the show notes if you ever want to check it out, including the link to this article. It's probably a t- five to ten minute read. Very easy and just outline some basic ideas about why you need it so so they kind of i'm not going to read this entire article to you ryan because well uh we have lives and i have (laughs) and uh, you have eyes too but it starts off with this idea it's like hey by the way and this is things that you and i have talked about before ryan times have changed it starts off with that because Mm -hmm. you've got multiple generations in the uh working together right now we have, and everyone's got different expertise, different levels of experience. They have different expectations of how people work together, which means you got to find a way to marry them all. And the only way to do that is to document it, mm-hmm. write it down. Don't yeah. care how, don't care where, but you write it down and make sure everyone on your team knows what it's about. So that's where that contract comes into place. And there's a lot of good stuff in here. Just there's some links to some expectations. There's some to, and it starts going into the office 365 stuff, but ultimately it start like it starts talking about what should be in that contract. And that's the ultimate question I wanted to lead to here. So just like we were saying, it's like, Oh, what goes into this uh, service level agreement? What goes into this thing? So um, how do you, communicate with your team what's your primary method is it email is it teams chat is it channels is it something else um do you have a place for specific types of documents and specific types of work if so where are they stored and how do you store them and are you keep and do you have a process for keeping that maintained over the long run if everyone's doing their bit to keep your your document libraries organized well What's that old adage? Um, Many hands make light work, make work light, something along those lines. That's the idea here. So if everyone knows how to set up your document library, when files go in, where are they saved? How are they saved? What do they look like? How are they named? You can capture all that. You can use metadata and SharePoint. If you have regular meetings uh, online, you can keep all of your notes in OneNote or somewhere else if you prefer. but ultimately, the, the the outcome is all about making sure that there's consistency, there's uh, expectation sets, and people know what tools to use at the right end on. of the day. That's what it's all about, right? Right on. And I think this is a much better approach than, this is a much better approach for setting expectations, um, having people work within, you know, templated scenarios, if you will, for, for their day-to-day. Um, this approach, this level of understanding, these these standards, if you will, which you can then use to backfill against for training, uh, you would be able to see where 
you users are familiar with the tool or not and get them up to speed based on your uh, collaboration contract. But this is a far better approach than some of the ones that we've seen out in the world where this is locked down, this is locked down, this is locked down. You need a, to jump through tons of hoops and get a lot of permission to turn this feature on. Leave those things in place. Keep them turned on by default. Keep them uh, as their out-of-box settings. Let users explore them if, if they so wish to, uh, because maybe they can find a way to do things better, quicker, faster, but still operate within your collaboration contract. I think it's a lot less restrictive than this is how it is and it's very monolithic and we're shutting everything down and we're locking it down and don't you dare don't mm -hmm. you dare try that and that's a that's a comparison between it policies and the collaboration people will have mm -hmm. so the the best part about the collaboration contract is and that's going to be a mouthful to say multiple times this episode uh is that it can recognize where those limitations in your IT policy are. So if you're not allowed to use certain apps or certain features in Office 365 or any of your other Office suites or um, tools, you can capture that and find what's your path for because mm -hmm. it's Office 365. You have a thousand different ways to do a job. So pick the one that's right for you. It fits within your IT's policy in terms of security and compliance. And then if it doesn't work, you can modify it, right? Yes, and that's the thing they stress in this article a few times is that this thing is is fluid. It's it's open source, if you will. It's open for debate and collaboration, right? It's a collaboration hmm. contract. I tried this a couple of weeks ago and because I was tinkering with this idea before I actually found this article and then someone just gave me the name to look up and that's how I came across this. And because what I was doing is I was putting together in the Word documents in chat groups, because I was exploring this idea where, hey, if you, for some reason, have a team and, or, or you have a working group of people, but maybe a team channel, Teams isn't the right tool, and you prefer to use chat or you have to use chat for one reason or another, then you can put together a Word document that is your collaboration contract that says, okay, for these types of files, save them here, put them in this one drive, you keep our meeting notes here, here's the link, etc. And that's how we just keep track of it. And it ultimately kind of becomes a training document all, all, uh, almost depending on how much effort and time you put into it. But mm -hmm. that's like one really simple example of how to implement it. Put it in a Word document, attach it as a tab in your group chats or even your team channels. Yeah, because then you can you can ask questions as a colleague, as a newcomer. You can, you know, if something is unclear, you can ask a question. We leave um, a little comment in the document itself and people yeah. can reply to it, resolve it, at mention all that fun stuff. Absolutely. This changed or this icon looks different or we've moved this from here to here, slight difference, you know. Um, if you're on a PC, it looks like this. If you're on a Mac, it looks like that, something totally different. Uh, but, I mean, a good good nail that you hit right on the head is is onboarding. Uh, if you can present a new teammate something like this collaboration contract, they'll know exactly what they need to get up to speed with rather than just say, uh, oh, yeah, we uh, we use Teams on this team and we use OneDrive and SharePoint. So go learn about them. You know, this may give some precision context to what features they should sort of specifically focus on. And they may even go out and experiment on their own as part of their onboarding period. Um, they may say, oh yeah, I, I will be expecting to get requests from customers. Let me go check out the customer request list we have in SharePoint. 
or let me go try to book a meeting in Teams before I actually have to do my first one. Just little things like that that you can use as guidance for onboarding. I think is a great idea too. Mm-hmm. And it ultimately, I love the fact that it just gives you that ability to say, hey, look, here's what we do. This is how we use it. And then you can add the links to the training, the specific training resources that you might need. So if it's like, hey, once a month, you need to schedule this meeting with a client. Mm-hmm. Here's a link on how to schedule a Teams meeting. Right. Or here's a link on how to create a task out of this information so you can share it out. Here's a link on how you create a new page in OneNote so you can capture your meeting links, et cetera. Yeah, that so baseline. The- then you have that baseline and you trust that the person working next to you, maybe not physically, but you know what I mean? In, in hybrid work, maybe they're working from home. Um, but you trust that your colleagues are all at the same level. There's that expectation that is set. That, okay, we all get this on this team because it's so well laid out and documented. Um, you can trust that if you have to go on holidays, for example, uh, or, or leave for some time, you can trust that your colleagues are going to follow a process that is documented. It's there. Everybody's had some opportunity to weigh in on it. You know the things will get done right in your absence, not you come back and suddenly something that you've been tracking in Excel for six months is in OneNote and it's all linked all over the place and you don't know what to do with it, you know? Exactly. Because it's like, once you start documenting it, you're going to start asking, it's like, well, why are we doing it like this? Or why have we been doing it like this? And is this the best approach to doing that? And because you might have some pain points in your existing process, when you start writing it down and saying, well, okay, this is why we started doing it. This is why we started saving our files in this directory. And this is why this person, administrator, manager needs to copy these files from one location to another so they can do their review and their work. And then they email copies to all these other people. Once you've written that down and see just how crazy some of our old processes are, you can go, well, maybe we can cut back on 90 steps here, 90% of our steps by just taking this file, stick it in this shared folder, and then everyone has what they need and they know exactly what to do with it. Maybe there's a little bit of metadata to notify people, who knows, like a tag or an extra column, something along those lines. But it kind of allows you to look at how you've been doing it and give it a critical assessment because especially when you start onboarding people, you're going to bring in fresh eyes that are going to look at this and say, hey, is this the best way we can do this? We have this awesome tool or all these all, all these other awesome tools. Maybe we can change this just a wee bit and save everyone you know, 10, 15 minutes a week just by making these little improvements. And that's the best part about using it as an onboarding tool, not the onboarding tool, but you know, an important component of it for sure. Right on. Would you go as far as, okay, something near and dear to my heart, you know, and I'm sure everybody that's a repeat listener knows, I I have a thing for automation and power automation, Um, wherever and whenever we can get a few minutes off of our plate, you know, get get things scheduled get things uh, get workflows automated would you go as far in your collaboration contract to list out what's automated and why and how it works again set those set those levels or set those expectations of i guess some good ideas good potential ideas for automation but where your team can rest comfortably if you're I, absolutely like i'd say that'd be pretty critical to documents if you have group workflows that takes you know files and does makes tasks or manages lists 
you need to have a document that's somewhere. So the collaboration list would, or the collaboration document would be a good place to say, hey, when you put stuff into this folder for this project or this type of work, um, it's going to trigger this subprocess by Power Automate. This is what mm -hmm. that workflow looks like. This is what it does. And this is the output of it. If it breaks, this is who you contact. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> if and when it breaks, you're going to need someone that knows what mm -hmm. how that thing works so they can start fixing it, right? Okay. So follow-up question to that then. And in the same vein, uh, again, looking at your collaboration contact uh, contract and drafting that up, would you go as far as calling out certain accountabilities, even by a user or by a smaller team and say, okay, Maybe part of your workflow is for Sally. Sorry, Sally, if you're listening. Uh, you know, Sally is the user responsible for copying, you know, things from this folder to that folder on a regular basis. Or Joe is responsible for going through once a month and checking our tags on uh, SharePoint folders or something like that. Would you go that far or have, you know, who is accountable for that task, the frequency and maybe the backup? Yes, but I would but. change names to job titles. Okay. So it doesn't matter who's in that position. Mm -hmm. It's that that person's responsibility, accountability, whatever it is, right to on. do that part of the task. That's an important thing. That's usually where you break out SOPs, your standard operating procedures, all that to document it. But the collaboration contact contract should have at least a little bit of it. So it's like, hey, when you put a file into this folder for this job, this person or this role is going to take this information and do stuff with it. So people know what happens next. Cool. How often do you think a collaboration contract should be, you know, re relooked at or reworked? I mean, maybe once a year, if not a little bit more, it depends mm -hmm. on the size of your team. It depends on the complexity of it. It really all just depends. Um, if it's a word document, that thing's likely going to be a living document for the first little while as you get things sorted out. Every time you onboard someone, you might make some changes as the business upgrades, you might make some changes. So it might happen a couple of times a month or at least once a month. If it's more broad, it's a more broad contract, let's say to a larger department with multiple sub-departments or your entire organization, then I can see those review periods being a little more scheduled where mm -hmm. maybe a couple of months an owner and I, someone that understands that document will go in and just make sure everything's okay. Um, probably more steps involved in that one, but uh, at least you have some touch points on it. The broader the audience is, the less likely, the less often you want to touch that document and less often you want to make changes to it because it impacts a greater span of people, right? For sure. And there's no rule about how big or how many people the collaboration contract should be, but it should be clear in there who it applies to at every level. So there's no ambiguity about who's responsible for what or who the intended audience of that information is. Mm -hmm. And even if you start small with a, with a smaller team or a smaller department, you may want to share your collaboration contract as an example for other departments to use in the organization. I think that cross-department or cross-team, um, cross-pollination of ideas, if you will, may be healthy as well because you may find finances found a really cool way to use forms and HR hasn't gotten there yet and they may be inspired to do so. Or sales is using Sway in some really, really unique way that you know HR 
finds uh, finds out about and then they bring it into their their contract test to see if their their user groups are ready willing and able to adopt that change and then make it happen or you find out that your department is the only one that is requiring all staff to manually download and re-upload their files from their computer and email it out to everyone in the department because you didn't really assess what you're doing on that document. You just said, this is what we're doing and walked away from it without giving it any kind of a look. So you can improve yourself, including improving others in terms of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I like that idea, sharing it out. So yeah. that's an easy thing that you can put out onto SharePoint if it's just a document. Um, if you have a template or a company template you can use and I like using PowerPoint for these types of things because it provides a nice visual template. It, v- it provides an easier way to navigate through the different information. Word documents, fine. No hate on Word. I turn to PowerPoint for these types of things that are designed to be shared out with multiple audiences. Um, the other yeah, tool I would use is um, SharePoint News. Honestly, mm-hmm. if you start a brand new team and and you have your team channels, of course. Of course, you've got your SharePoint team site in the back end, probably not doing much. Right. If you're just using it for files and you haven't even looked at it yet, you can put your collaboration contract in there with a ton of more stuff that you would be able to do with a Word document. So you can put training videos embedded right on the page. You can link to other stuff. You can have the actual documents embedded on your SharePoint page so people can see what's in it at any time. You can get really creative with using a SharePoint page as your collaboration document instead of just a normal Word document. But, you know, work with what you're comfortable with because there's a lot of different approaches. There's not one right one. It's just some, as long as it serves your department to keep everyone on the same page and on track, then it's done its job. Absolutely. And, and, and as you grow your comfort zone or as you, you know, sort of push up against it, you'll you'll find new ways to do things. Yeah, totally. Um, this is something I've wish i have had in manual teams like i mean you and i could probably sit down and hammer out a collaboration contract for our own department we should probably do that we could do that and like maybe we'll do that as like a mo live thing one day yeah, where you one. and i just step lay one. everything out we don't email each other step two see step one <laughs> yeah <laughs> i make no promises i know i'm gonna send all my teams chat to outlook and then email that to you, email replies to you from there, just to make sure you get them, you know? Because I'm just not sure if you saw them in chat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you get that thing I sent you? No, I, I, I love it. I think this is, this is really good. And I, I absolutely love the idea of running through it in that open source kind of way or that, that public way, um, public within your organization or within your team. Absolutely. But to give some examples of of what this could become, I think is a is a great idea. It almost becomes your template of templates, or it could potentially become your template of templates. Templated, templated activities and templated behaviors and templated habits that you want to build on your team, and then also the actual. This is a new customer credit application template. You know, it could be <laughs> documents as well, and where yeah. they are and and what to do with them. So. Um, there's yeah, there's a lot of good potential here. Uh, I really like the fact that again, I wish I had this before because this would have saved a lot of confusion and energy in terms of hey, where are we keeping these files? Okay, mm-hmm. I need to email my team and ask someone where it is because I forgot where the search icon is. Uh, where are we? How are we naming these files? How are these being archived and stored? So many questions that you can get answered. So. 
when we say that this is a living document, it, believe it. It's going to some, I believe it's something that as you dig into it and start working on your processes and laying them out, this thing is going to grow on you. It's going to grow big and it could grow fast depending on how much your team adopts it. Um, but, you know, I always say start simple. Yeah. Keep it small. Work, like nail a couple of things down. Top five items, top like as a starting point, and then if you need to grow from there. Right on. No, I uh, I love it, and I forgot where I was going to go with that. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Oh, that's going to bug me. I had such a great idea just right there, and now it's toast. So, what would you like to see in a collaboration contract for? the average Office 365 user, brand new to the suite. They don't really have any kind of established habits coming from email only, offline, no cloud before. What would yep. be something you would like to see in all of their collaboration contracts that could change? I, I would like to see, say, say the language or, or the layout of the thing it assumes that we're talking to an alien from another planet that has never used Office 365 in our environment. So look at your core workloads, emails, documents, storage, collaboration. This is what we use to communicate back together, back and forth together. This is what we use to create this thing. This is the app that we use to create that thing. Here's a template of this thing if you're unsure how to, how to make it look and feel. Um, and then this is where we go to store stuff and this is where we go to find things. I think those four or five workloads would get a lot of the heavy lifting done. You're right. Just know, like knowing what to do with the files, knowing what to do with those emails and everything in between would go mm -hmm. a long way. Um, meetings is a big one for me. Sure. Yeah. Um, frequency, who organizes them? If you record them or you're, meeting, you're taking meeting minutes, if that's still a thing in 2021, where are you saving them? And who yep. are you saving them for? And how long? How much detail should you be taking? Yeah. What's the whole point of those meeting minutes? Why Are you just doing it for the sake of doing it? Or do people actually go and reference them? And if they are, what information are they looking for? Action items? Is that where they're stored? Is that where they should be looking for them? Could be, could not be, but that's a great question to ask. And you know, I could I could dig all day in terms of <laughs> what kind of questions we should be asking for this. But meeting minutes, meeting notes, meeting recordings, just that whole culture of meetings, especially if, with the hybrid environments, um, having some consistency around that. When do we schedule meetings? When should we schedule a meeting in the channel versus just a one-off in Outlook or a Teams chat? Mm -hmm. And um, if we're working on files together, do we know where those files are saved? How are we capturing that and where are we saving them? So if you have like meetings is a big, and I guess that'd be under the collaboration umbrella for a lot of people. Um, but you can get pretty granular with this one because mm -hmm. I'm thinking internal versus external, for example, if you're working with a client or doing a client meeting and okay, you got to take your notes. You got to have certain questions answered throughout that meeting and you got to save that information somewhere so maybe your manager or your colleagues can take that information and run with it so setting up some consistency on that maybe it's a form you're filling out maybe it's a word document template you're filling it doesn't matter as long as you know where it is where it should be saved and who's going to be using it after you and why so that way you're supporting each other throughout the entire process right and now i remember what i wanted to say it was around 
the the tribal knowledge. I mean, I'm sure organizations know and team leads know a lot of these things and what they have as far as best intentions with with the different tools in something like Office 365. You got to document it. I think that's a big, big step. We've got that tribal knowledge. Oh yeah, we we kind of trust that everybody knows our templates are in this file in SharePoint, and we kind of yeah we kind of got a good gut feeling that everybody knows how to run an effective meeting and join in and have participants external in a Teams meeting. Maybe just write it down and check against it, test on it, if you will, uh, just to set those expectations. Yeah, testing it's a big one because if you're writing these processes down and you haven't, excuse me, if you're writing these, <laughs> Ooh. if you're writing these processes down and you haven't tested them out, get on that because if someone's doing that testing for you and they're not giving you feedback, it could be crashing and burning and they will be turning back to their own processes or making up their own in a heartbeat yep. if what you've laid out doesn't work. So test, please test and reiterate. It's a living document at the end of the day, right? Yep. And, and don't worry about what you don't know today. Get it down as you know it today. And, and maybe you're, you and your team are not the most progressive on... Um, teams and collaborating, making, you know, teams and channels and those sorts of things. Maybe you're just using it for meetings. That's okay. So get into it gradually, get it down as it is today, and then use that as a blueprint for expanding how you use all of these different tools. If you don't use bookings and planner today, don't worry about it. Maybe, maybe make a note of that. We don't use planner for anything. We don't use bookings. No, that's a great point. We don't use stream. We don't use sway. Get those ones off your chest, at least they're documented. So it's very clear what we do not use. Focus on what you do use and then grow from there. Grow your yes. habits, grow your understanding. You know, pay attention to mobile and, and the content that, that we're putting out so that you learn the art of the possible and what exactly you can do with all these tools. But baby steps, folks, don't worry about it. Baby steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, start small, let it grow organically. And if you really, if this thing takes off in your department, share it with others and see what they think mm -hmm. really let that grow don't hold it back because ultimately the more if it's starting to grow then i'd say your department's probably really thriving off that document it's probably having a pretty strong impact on it and if it's being maintained then you're going to be laughing but again you got to test it you got to work through that pain and figure out what is working what isn't working get feedback from people and Use it as that training aid. Get get some feedback from the people you're onboarding because they might look at what you're doing and go, that seems pretty crazy, but okay. Mm -hmm. And then they'll turn around in a week and make it a little better for you with some suggestions, bringing in new knowledge and a new perspective on your processes. That's why we hire people, right? No, and you, you said the word twice in, in, I think, almost as many sentences is people. Because collaboration is about people. It's not... It's not about the tools driving the people. It's about the people driving the tools. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think that's all we have for today. We've, I think we've hammered this uh, point in pretty sufficiently. Collaboration, yeah. contract, good. Making it up as you go, bad. Document your stuff and test it. Right on. And and improve it and share it and open source it and, and see where you can make things better one little yes. step at a time. Iterate. Yeah. I really like the idea, Alex, of, of doing this on, on one of our live shows or, or on another podcast in the future. Um, maybe give some of the basics, maybe just 
even giving a peek at how we collaborate together. We we work with this stuff all day long. Uh, I I know I'm sometimes guilty of taking for granted of what I expect other users to know. And when I say, oh, yeah, just go here and click on this thing and that thing, and it'll be great. I sometimes have to remind myself that ah, not everybody works with Microsoft 365 all day, every day, like, like I do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you and I are going to come at this with very different perspectives on our own in terms of the processes we want mm-hmm. to follow, the ones we think is as a best fit. So we got to, we'll have to make some decisions along the way. That would yeah. be a fun live stream. Maybe we'll do that in October. And, and I mean, a healthy debate could be, could be really interesting. All right. Um, tune in for October, 2021. Ryan and I are going to duke it out on a collaboration contract. <laughs> Fight to the death over chat versus email. No, we obviously, <laughs> we obviously know chat would win. Yeah, probably. Honestly. Right on. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Moho Show podcast. On behalf of Alex and myself, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Whether you're walking the walking the pups, hitting the gym, maybe on your virtual or actual commute back to the office, I hope you've enjoyed the time together. Don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcasting application, whether that's Spotify that we do publish to Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You name it, podcasts are just about on every platform as you can find us. If you do want to see the video shows that I mentioned, our live show twice a month, Moo Live, you can visit our YouTube channel or just go to moo.ca and you can um, subscribe, like, notify, thumbs up, confetti, all those great things. Blow up that smash button, that like button. That's the thing. Whatever they say nowadays, all of those great things. Do all those things. Absolutely. Alex, thank you so much. Great topic suggestion. I'm really fired up about this. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye now.